Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is John, and I'm here with my brother in Christ, Peter. Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and your backpack, grab your compass and your map, and let's get rolling. Can you start us off with a prayer, Peter? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, and please bless everybody that gets to be involved with this tonight and in the future. Help John and I um, be present to everything you have for us to talk about and to offer tonight. And please bless our families and those of the people watching. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So tonight, uh, tonight's Thursday, the first Thursday in Advent. And uh, so we're going to change things up a little bit here. And I think during the season of Advent, we're going to uh, start with evening prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours. So this will be a little different. And for those of you out there that uh, are unfamiliar with it, Here's a link for that. And if you go to divineoffice.org and you go to evening prayer, you can follow along. And if you, if you can't find it tonight, then be prepared next week uh, to join in with us. But um, it's the prayer of the church, and it's just a beautiful thing. So all around the world at all times of the day and night, there are people that are reading the Liturgy of the Hours, praying the Liturgy of the Hours. So, so we're going to start off with uh, evening prayer tonight, and uh, so let's roll. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. For the fruits of His creation, thanks be to God. For the gifts of every nation, thanks be to God. For the plowing, sowing, reaping, silent growth while men are sleeping, future needs and earth's safekeeping, thanks be to God. In the just reward of labor, God's will is done. In the help we give our neighbor, God's will is done. In our worldwide task of caring for the hungry and despairing, in the harvests men are sharing, God's will is done. For the harvest of his spirit, thanks be to God. For the good all men inherit, thanks be to God. For the wonders that astound us, for the truths that still confound us. Most of all, that love has found us, thanks be to God. I cried to you, Lord, and you healed me. I will praise you forever. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me. And have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O oh Lord, I cried to you for help, and you, my God, have healed me. O oh Lord, you have raised my soul from the dead, restored me to life from those who sink into the grave. Sing psalms to the Lord, you who love him. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts but a moment, his favor through life. At night there are tears, but joy comes at dawn. I said to myself, in my good fortune, nothing will ever disturb me. Your favor had set on me a mountain of fastness. Then you hid your face, and I was put to confusion. To you, Lord, I cried. To my God, I made appeal. What profit would my death be by my going to the grave? Can dust give you praise or proclaim your truth? The Lord listened and had pity. The Lord came to my help. For me, you have changed my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. So my soul sings psalms to you unceasingly. O Lord, my God, I will thank you forever. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I cried to you, Lord, and you healed me. I will praise you forever. The one who is sinless in the eyes of God is blessed indeed. 
Happy the man whose offense is forgiven, whose sin is remitted. Oh, happy the man to whom the Lord imputes no guilt, and whose spirit there is no guile. I kept it secret, and my frame was wasted. I groaned all the day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. Indeed, my strength was dried up as by the summer's heat. But now I have acknowledged my sins, my guilt I did not hide. I said, I will confess my offense to the Lord, and you, Lord, have forgiven the guilt of my sin. So let every good man pray to you in the time of need. The floods of water may reach high, but him they shall not reach. You are my hiding place, O Lord. You save me from distress. You surround me with cities of deliverance. I will, instruct, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will give you counsel with my eye upon you. Be not like horse and mule, unintelligent, needing bridle and bit, else they will not approach you. May sor sorrowers has the wicked, many sorrowers has the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving mercy surrounds him. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, exalt you just. O come, ring out your joy, all you upright of heart. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, as now, and will be forever. Amen. The one who is sinless in the eyes of God is blessed indeed. The Father has given Christ all power, honor, and kingship. All people will obey him. We praise you, the Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. You have assumed your great power. You have begun your reign. The nations have raged in anger, but then came your day of wrath and the moment to judge the dead, the time to reward your servants, the prophets, and the holy ones who revere you, the great and the small alike. Now have salvation and power come, the reign of our God and the authority of his anointed one. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who night and day accused them before God. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. So rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell therein. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Father has given Christ all power, honor, and kingship. All people will obey him. Be patient, my brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer awaits the precious yield of the soil. He looks forward to it patiently while the soil receives the winter and the spring rains. You too must be patient. Steady your hearts because the coming of the Lord is at, at hand. See, the judge stands at the gate. Come and set us free, Lord God of power and might. Come and set us free, Lord God of power and might. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Lord God of power and might. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Come, set us free, Lord God of power and might. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Blessed are blessed you are among you women, women, and blessed, blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
to Christ, the great light promised by the prophets to those who live in the shadow of death, let us raise our voices in prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Word of God, in the beginning you created all things, in the fullness of time assumed our nature. Come and deliver us from death. True light shining on mankind. Come and dispel our darkness. Only begotten Son dwelling in the Father's heart. Come and tell us of God's loving kindness. Christ Jesus, you come among us as the Son of Man. Transform those who know you into the sons of God. You welcome all who call upon you in need. Bring unto your wedding feast those who beg at the door. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we need your help. Free us from the sin and bring us to life. Support us by your power. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. And may the Lord bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. So tonight, we're going to venture into the depths of leadership a little bit further. So in the past couple months or few months, we, we studied um, in depth uh, Stephen Covey. And then we went into, a couple weeks ago, we, we went into Jordan Peterson. And I guess I would call those works works of leadership because they're the wisdom of how we lead ourselves first, right? How do we, how do we think right about being leaders and interacting with the world in positive ways? And uh, so tonight we're going to talk about a man by the name of Peter Singe, uh, spelled S-E-N-G-E. It's a good name. Peter Singe was, um, um, well, let me just read a little bit about him. Peter Singe is a systems engineer with degrees from Stanford and MIT. His work is based on years of research in the corporate business environment. He is presently the founder of the Society for Organizational Learning. Though less well-known than Covey's habits, Singy's five disciplines does for the organization what the habits do for the individual. It provides a template for organizations to act with excellence for optimum creative results. One of the remarkable things about Singy's five disciplines is how it honors both natural and physical law through the laws of systems thinking. Laws like cause and effect are separated in space and time. The easy way out of a problem usually leads right back in. Equally powerful is his insistence on the concept of absolute honesty or loyalty to the truth. Singy believes that truth exists and being loyal to it is a requirement for individual and organizational excellence. So he's, uh, he's quite, the, quite the man, and I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about how I was first introduced to Peter Singy. Uh, it goes back to my early 40s. I decided to go back to school and get an MBA at the time. I was working uh, in a, a corporate-type construction job, and the owner of the company wanted me to get some uh, get some, say, additional business type training. So I went and took a, an MBA course and uh, slogged through that for two years. And it was uh, one of the hardest things I ever did in my life in terms of balancing a career and then studying. And so every Saturday for two years, I was at a um, university setting with a bunch of other folks that were doing the same thing. Uh, lawyers, accountants, uh, engineers of all shape, you know, shapes and sizes. And, uh, 
so anyway, we, yeah, we went through this uh, MBA program together. And at the, the very end of that whole program, there was a, uh, a professor. His last name was Parati, and he was from a high university. Uh, and he, he did what was called the capstone course that was kind of a discussion of leadership within the business community. And one of the last things that he did, I think it was almost like on the very last day of class, he ended up um, talking about, okay, you folks out there, you may never read another book for the rest of your life. But if you do, and if you, and, and certainly if you're going to read a book, if, if you're only going to read one for the rest of your life, he said, read this. And I really liked the guy and I really respected him. So I went, wow, okay. So this is Peter Singy's The Fifth Discipline. And uh, went out and got it and was stunned. Was It, it began, it's like uh, a transformation in the way I was thinking about how business is done. And it was radical. Uh, and But at the same time, it was something that was on my path that I was journeying on towards understanding how God's universe works and how, how it interplays with everything we do every day. It really kind of fit into that whole picture. So, uh, especially when I was at the time I was, uh, working for a company and I was kind of like the go-to guy. I was the, and you might even call me the hatchet man at the time. So I was the guys doing all the tough stuff and, uh, and, and I can't say I'm incredibly proud of some of the things I did. I wasn't always loyal to the truth or was absolutely honest because it was kind of like, well, you do that to a little bit so that it looks like you're absolutely honest or loyal to the truth, but you really don't do that because you can't afford to tell your customer the truth, right? It was kind of that kind of concept. But when I read that book, I was like, I was convinced. And I just, so it changed my entire approach. And it was actually the beginning of the end of me working in the company I worked for because I completely transformed as a, as a human being. And at the same time, I was reading Covey and everything. But uh, Singy, Singy's work really got, got into me, and I got into it. And uh, it really was, uh, was a great. And so tonight we're going to talk about some of those concepts. Was that when you uh, read that book, that was before you converted, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a great question, Peter. I'm glad you asked that because, uh, and, and Laura would say this too. So she got an MBA. She went and got an MBA at Xavier university. I got mine at Ohio university before we ever met. And, uh, I thought that me getting that MBA for me at that point in time was something that helped me spiritually in a way that I'd never mm would have never thought. Right. So, I mean, just yeah. to the, to the lay person out there to say going and getting an MBA really boosted me spiritually. It's like, that's pretty crazy. And yeah, true. And it was like, it was like, it was like the Lord was using the fifth discipline and Covey's seven habits and these different concepts that were being used and talked about in business. And it was really like speaking to me in that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It kind of opened the pathway to the, the Holy Roman Catholic church, which is really counterintuitive at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a little funny. Yeah. Especially like with, you know, the higher education, the underlying priorities. Yeah. I'm a, and all of it. I, well, I worry that we've lost a lot of that now. Right. So that was before the, the, uh, uh, the modern woke, <laughs> woke environment. Now there's so much of that's infiltrated our university system. I, I worry that the type of education I got and got then, and that was in the, like the 90 to 92, say there was a two year stretch. I was doing that or no, I take it back. It was 92 to 94. Those things have changed a lot. They've been, they've been corrupted or uh, unfortunately. So I think, but uh, may, maybe not, maybe it's not as bad as I, as I'm worried that it is. But anyway, so Singy talks about five disciplines. And again, he, he was a systems engineer and he studied all the corporations. Uh, like he, he's one of these guys that said, okay, here's some really good companies, some good corporations. Why are they successful and other people aren't? 
Why do you see these, you know, here's a company, say a computer company and uh, my age, if there's any folks out there around my age, they might remember a company called Wang Computer. And Wang was like, in that early days of computing, Wang like jumped out of nowhere. And it's like, they were gone gangbusters, right? Nobody knows who they are now. Uh, there was a people's airline. So there were these different companies that nobody knows who people's airline is now. They're just a case study. And so, so uh, Singy and people of, of his ilk were kind of studying these cor corporations trying to figure out, well, why, um, why is it that these companies are good? So he really delved into this and he came up with this concept that the really great organizations are learning organizations. They're these organic groups of people that learn how to speak together, how to argue together, how to think together, how to create together. And they really value one another and they, they value truth and honesty and integrity. And so Singy in studying these people came up with these five disciplines and you'll, they'll sound familiar if you think back about Covey and what we talked about with Covey. So his discipline number one is personal mastery. And what's kind of interesting about that. So Covey's last habit was sharpen the saw. And that's sort of that idea of personal mastery. In other words, sharpening the saw is, sharpening our skills and our intellect and all the things that we do, making them better. So we do things better. Right. And so where Covey ends with that Singy picks up on that. So Singy's basically saying as an organization, you want all of your people in your organization to be dedicated to personal mastery in their own right. You want them to be, moving ahead, studying, learning on their own right, just because that's good. That's good for them. And if you have people in your organization that are really focused on becoming the best they can be, then it's going to be good for the organization. And it's like the old, st the old style management and old style companies would tend to be afraid of that. Right. Because they're like, well, I don't want to, you know, I'm afraid they're going to leave. Right. If I support their personal mastery, they're going to get really, and, and so the, the really, and this is why it has a lot to do with faith. So the really smart businesses have faith in saying, no, that's the, it's, you do that because it's the right thing to do. And it's, and it's like, it goes back to the Covey's concept of, um, uh, What's, what's that concept where you believe that the best is going to come, right? Regardless, a, an attitude of, uh, of uh, abundance. Abundance mentality. Yeah. The abundance mentality. So you just go ahead and believe and trust that you do the right thing for all the, for the re because it's the right thing to do. And then there's going to be this abundant outcome. Yeah. Everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. And so, the, the, the idea that, okay, uh, number one, personal mastery is like, okay, a good company, a good learning organization, a good business invests in its people so they can become the best that they can be and really take that journey from self-awareness to self-possession to self-gift, right? Yeah. Part of the thing that he realized in this study at the same time is what trips people up. Like if you think about businesses, why did Wang computer die away? Why did people's airline fall apart? Why did any of these number of businesses that were on the top of their game at some time, they just fell apart. And one of the reasons and why is it people don't become, why don't they take the journey to personal mastery? And a lot of it has to do with what Singy called mental modeling. So his second uh, discipline or his second, um, uh, yeah, second discipline is mental modeling. And the basic concept of that is all of us see the world through a paradigm, through mental models. He called them mental models. Covey called them paradigms. But we have this mindset that's been created in our brains through basically the experiences that we've had in life. And a lot of our experiences in life 
as fallen human beings, right, haven't been the greatest. And we've been interacting yeah. with fallen human beings, which makes it even worse. And so we have these, we end up with these mental models of how the world works that are incorrect. And so, then we tend to focus on those too. We don't look at the good ones really as much, just like with everything else, the fallen human being just staring at the negative, yeah, bringing like, that up. Well, and it's like, that's natural to the human being. That's really, yeah. yeah so we have, it's so easy for the human person, us to think about the negative stuff, right? I mean, it just kind of like flows naturally. It's like water running downhill. Yeah, whereas, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, whereas to think about something virtuous, something good, something that could be great, it takes work. It's like, no, I got to focus on this. Whereas the negative yeah. thing just is like they're spinning all, it's like this flywheel inside of us is just constantly churning into the negative. I think yeah. it's easier too, because like when you start focusing on the good, then you have something that you are now responsible for doing about the negative instead of just complaining about it when it's like, like that's the easy way out, you know? Yeah. Instead right. Actually focusing on that good. What's well, the creative way out too. Right. It's right. like, it's, 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 you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's takes hard work and it, but it's creative. And when you start down that path, it's like, this is good stuff. So that mental model thing is kind of like, how, okay, I gotta, I gotta assess all my mental models here and figure out, okay, how do they actually align with reality, with God's reality, the reality of the universe? How do they line up with natural law? You know, am I running against the grain and beating myself up in the process or am I getting into the stream, man, where I can like start to flow and do the right things for the right reasons. So that's part of that mental model process. It's uh, and I can recall back when, before I went to get my MBA, when I started thinking about this stuff and I was listening to some, some guy talk about how we have this natural proclivity to think all the negative stuff. And I thought, well, well that's, and then it's like, well, how do you stop that? Right. It's like, how do you, cause, and I can remember I was rebuilding a porch on a house I lived in at the time. And I was observing my thoughts while I was doing this. And I thought it was just, you know, so much garbage thinking going through, through my brain. And I was like, how do you stop that? And so the idea was, well, you had to start thinking about what you're thinking about again, right? Stop it. And then intentionally start thinking positive, creative, good things and, and asking yourself good questions and doing good prayer at the same time. So it's like, so that whole process is that mental modeling is like rid ourselves of the garbage, rid ourselves of, of the prejudices you know so the mental model which is kind of interesting that's what a prejudice is yeah so at its very heart a mental model is kind of a prejudice of, of an idea of how i think the world works when it really may not work that way so that's right. yeah discipline like number preset. two cleanse ourselves right align ourselves with reality and with the good stuff The third discipline he talks about, and this really gets into that realm, what we think about leadership is the, the, what leadership actually does, but it's called Building Shared Vision. There's a great book out there called uh, The Work of Leaders, and they do a really good job of talking about this whole leadership process, which starts, they, it's a three-part process, and it starts with vision. So in other words, it's, it's, it's leadership needs to come up with a vision for where we're going, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. So it runs from vision and then alignment is step number two. You have to align people to your vision. And then step number three is, is execution. Okay, let's get the job done now, which is kind of like build a critical path, get boots on the ground, start building, start creating and start doing it. Right. So that building shared vision, though, again, what's so profound about Covey, or excuse me, Peter Singy, is that it has to be aligned with natural law. So in other words, the vision has to be, you just can't have a vision of doing something that uh, can't be done, right? It right. has to be aligned with the real possibilities in the world. 
it seems like he kind of bases all this off of like um just being integral to the truth at all times really you know like in the first one in personal mastery he talks about how personal mastery requires a dedication to life to a lifelong pursuit of loyalty to the truth and then in the second one as well like if if you're not honest with yourself like we just talked about you fall into those negative paradigms and then now with the third one too yeah so that the whole journey to personal mastery is not possible unless you're being honest with yourself right, right. and even the shared vision like you're talking about like you, you have to be realistic and measured and uh you have to count before you build right <laughs> yes right yeah yeah good good point about that so um so there's a great, uh, he, he actually quotes this in that particular part of the, of his book where there is no vision, the people perish. And that's actually Proverbs 29, 18. Hmm. And so he's really kind of saying, you know, it's, it's there, there again is leadership. So within this, this organization of people that are moving in the right direction. They're striving to do something really great together as an organization. There has to be this good, solid vision of a doable, virtuous outcome. And once you have that, like I, I told uh, Peter earlier today, I took a really great hike today with Father Bill Hahn down in Clear Creek. We knocked off like almost 10 miles. So we, we spent quite a bit of time together and uh, kind of talking about that, like, and, and how great it is to be in our diocese right now with our great new Bishop, uh, Bishop uh, Earl Fernandez and how uh, every, there's a sense in, in our diocese right now is that we're going to do bold and wonderful things. And it's like, as we talked about that, I realized that's what people want. People want to do bold and wonderful things together. And they want to be, to see a vision that we can do bold and wonderful things together. And we're going to do it. Right. And it's like, people want that people yeah. are, are thirsting for that in our world today to see something that's going to be good, virtuous, loyal to the truth, you know, knitted out of absolute honesty and in line with the, with the things that can be done really moving towards building something that, that uh, it sparkles with the good, the true, and the beautiful, right? That's, that's really what we're looking for. And Peter Singh, he really dug into that and kind of was like, this is, what, this is what the human person is made for. We're made for that type of thing. Yeah, so, um, so that was, so uh, building shared vision is, is uh, discipline number three. And then, Number four, and, and I think you have to take them in this order again because you got a group of people within a really good organization. They're dedicated to their own uh, uh, formation, their own uh, evolution as, as good human beings, and then they're, they're really getting rid of all those mental models, those corrupt mental models that are, that are inside of us so we can get rid of them and put the good stuff in. And then... And then really building shared vision and getting aligned with where we're going with this. And then once we do that and we're aligned and we're heading, there's this, con there's this concept of team learning that can start taking place where we actually start to learn and we become intuitive with one another, where we almost begin to think what the other person's thinking without speaking sometimes, right? Because it's so obvious where we're going together. And that's where it's, it's almost like this is the Holy Spirit at work. This is the point in time within good organizations where the Holy Spirit's like in the midst of all that. And sometimes you don't even need to communicate. You know, you know this is the way it's going to go. And it, and it turns out that way. So it's... Uh, yeah, with uh, organizations, relationships, you know, every area of our life, Right. Even that relationship with just us and God, it's just like if you're in that deep of a connection, you just kind of roll with it. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Not just I mean, the, yeah. the bigger picture of the organizations and everything, but like in the if we had this in the church too, more like throughout everything, everything would be so much different, I think, 
you know, just overall. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is, this is, yeah, this is such good stuff. This is why, you know, at its very heart, Catholic means universal, right? And truly the Catholic church means the universal church, which means it's, it's the, the large umbrella and everybody's in, in it. I think, um, Chesterton once said, everybody's a Catholic. Some are doing it better than others. Right. So yeah. I mean, he was just like, he was that universalist. It says you can't even, you can't you know, like, if you want to yell and scream and say, I'm an atheist, I'm running to the side. Okay. You go clear out to the edge of the umbrella then, but you're still under the, the tent, man. You can't get away from us. Right. So, right. It's, it's a concept. No, we're all in this together. And, uh, if you want to pretend you're standing out there by yourself, then so be it. But you know, we're not going to forget about you. We know you're there. Yeah. So that's that. So that's interesting too, that, uh, Singy hits upon team learning because Covey's got that same concept of its habit. Number six, six synergize, synergize, right? Yeah. And it's so, so they're hitting on the same thing. So the synergy thing then is something that's like, it becomes this almost this, uh, so I was, you know, almost supernatural, right? These things are happening that are kind of beyond the gravity and time and space that are taking place there, but they're leading us and invigorating us. And, and we can really move on and start to start to live lives with joy. Right. And, to, and once again, chasing the good, the true and the beautiful in our work. And finally, the capstone of all of his disciplines, which is, again, the fifth discipline, right, which is what the book's about, is the idea of systems thinking. And systems thinking is one of those concepts. It's, it's, uh, it's gotten overused a bit, and everybody and their brother thinks they're systems thinkers, right? Well, if you just saw the big picture, man, let me get you straightened out there. And, but there is something called a big picture. And so Singy was realizing that, th and this comes back to going back into mental models again, is that, and, and I want to, I know, well, uh, Lori's out there listening right now. I hope she's still with us out there, but this whole idea systems thinking, I believe is happening in the right side of our brain. So, uh, there's a guy named Ian McKilchrist that's written about the right the right brain and how, so it needs to be in charge of everything. And it's actually a big picture type of searching mechanism. The right, uh, the right brain is, and the left brain's kind of like, let's get down, let's, let's collapse this down real quick and start doing boots on the ground type work. Whereas the, the right brain's out there saying, wait a minute, let's peruse the environment. Let's see what's really going on. What are all these interconnections here of things that are going on before we, move to action. And, and again, what's so amazing about this is he got this from studying businesses. So the businesses that really could sit back and study the environment and say, ah, wait a minute here, there's cause and effect relationships here that don't seem obvious, but they're under the surface. And if you push something here, all of a sudden it has an effect downstream somewhere. And so the smart, the smart folks kind of get that and they can, they start seeing what's going on. And again, this is a, you know, a very deeply spiritual th thing. So Singy has a list of what he calls the laws of system thinking. The first one is and listen to this. Today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. And that speaks to the whole problem of the left brain. So you kind of think about that. Let's say we're looking at problems in our ecosystem, you know, the environment, the, the, uh, the, the polity, the, uh, our environment, our uh, political landscape cities you know united states of america if you kind of look at that whole arena for a second and let's go back 
50 years ago. Let's go back to say, um, back to the late 1950s. There were things that in the early 1960s, there were things that happened on the political landscape that seemed to be good ideas like the war on poverty. Lyndon Johnson started this thing called the war on poverty. And what it really was, was just like handing people money because the left brain was saying, well, the, what poverty is, is a lack of money. Therefore the easy way to take care of this problem is we put money where there's no money. Right. Right. So that whole concept there's today's problems come from, yesterday's solutions. So within 10 years, the inner city population of this country went from being a basically a family oriented type of environment to a non-family oriented environment, which caused the destruction of the inner city family, all because of, a, of what seemed to be an easy solution. Poverty means lack of money, give people money, takes care of problem. No, it, it creates bigger problems, right? So there's that, that, that today's problems come from yesterday's solution. He also says that the cure can be worse than the disease. And Jordan Peterson has a great quote from that. I can't pull it out right now, but he's basically saying, um, if you... Um, that the, the, the solution to the disease that the modern political state tries to is worse than the, you know, it's, it's, it's worse than the disease in the beginning. The cure is worse than the disease. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of like saw that with COVID a little bit. Yeah. Isn't that a lot of that going on? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah. And wrapping that in, there's not a lot of loyalty to the truth and all that stuff. Is there? <laughs> no. They made a mess of that for sure. Oh, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's because they're smarter than us. Right. And, yeah. Lori says, yeah, take the, take away the pride. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another way that I was in, and there's a great, uh, uh, psychological study that both Peter and I have done. And maybe you can grab a, uh, one of these, uh, links there, Peter, but the, the, uh, heart styles, the above and below the line heart style study, which is, uh, really pretty interesting. So, yeah, if you look at that, uh, the above the line action of a human being is in the realm of humility and love for the other humility of self love for the other. And, the below the line is pride, which you might is called self um, self promotion, and the other one yeah. is fear, self protection. So that when we're down in those areas of pride and fear, we're not doing anybody any good, especially ourselves, and especially everybody else that's relating to us, right? So we really got to get into that humility realm, and then into the realm of the love of the other, right? Really truly loving the other and, and being self gift to them. That test is, uh, well, that, I, I like to call them assessments. That assessment is eye opening for sure. It's painful, and, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, I think the <laughs> best part of it is that it shows you what you think about yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean, and it showed me that I have like a, a immensely negative self image. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, I think I'm a terrible person. You know? Yeah. Other people actually think you're better than you think you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was eye opening. And that's the other cool part about that assessment too, is like, you have to involve people that actually know you in that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, very cool. I definitely recommend taking that yeah. one. It's a, it's a great, it's a great uh, assessment again. Right. So yeah, you're right. I don't like the test is a bad word. It makes, it puts too much pressure on it. Right. It's just a self assessment. Well, I was talking to my cousin about that and uh, with the five big aspects and that's kind of the way he was looking at it. And it was like, so I have this information now about myself, but before I didn't really observe these things. So now that I have, it's like, okay, now there's the question of, how do I like, what is right? Is there a right answer for this 
test. You know what I mean? It's not, it's more of like a, and then the way he presented it was like, it, it could be more detrimental to your overall well being than beneficial. And I understand it if you're looking at it from that paradigm mm. for sure. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, Oh, well I am very, um, what's the one me and you are very, very impolite. Like, like very rude, very rude humans. And we think it's funny. See, sarcasm. But, yeah. That's that yeah. one sarcasm. I think you and I are both pretty high on sarcasm, aren't we? Or pretty yeah. low. I mean, we're very low on sarcasm, which below means the line on the yeah, heart below, styles, way below but, the line on sarcasm. But yeah. I'm talking about the, uh, one of the aspects. Oh, okay. Are, I gotcha. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. But, yeah. uh, I think it's funny how just like we were talking about the mind maps earlier, how we can the way that we see things can just impact something so greatly. It's like a it's a thing that shows you something about yourself, but it could be received very negatively and be mm -hmm. detrimental to certain people. Right. You know what I mean? Just right. depending on how you observe it. Yeah, that's an interesting response. The the person you're talking about had it's almost like it's it's coming out of fear. Right. Well, I don't want to know right. about myself because it's you know, it might be detrimental, right? I might actually see myself and it'll, I'll be scared and, you know, hurt my feelings that I'm actually not the perfect human being that I want to pretend that I am. Right. So it's, yeah. Right. Or like, uh, more of like, like, uh, let me see if I can represent him well here. I don't think I'm doing a good job, but I think it was just more of like, I have this understanding of like, I answered these questions and that's what this says about me. So now I'm always going to be thinking like, oh. am I being this way and should I change it? You know, mm -hmm. more than uh, operating out of a fear thing. Like just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, that's, you know, that I, I think, yeah, I'm glad I do these things. Cause I, yeah. they, they've, one of the things I like to think of is they slowed me way down in my response yeah. because I tend to be uh, pretty aggressive in my response to things. You've never seen me do that. I know, but uh, never. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I tend to about. react too quickly. <laughs> and that's another thing that Singy actually talked about. He said, the problem with the human creature is that we're hardwired to think that the saber tooth tiger is just about to leap on us right now. Right. Right. But in the modern world, we're not actually experiencing that. But our, that our body, this 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 human person, is responding like the saber toothed tiger is jumping on us right now. We, by golly, we got to move and do it right now and defend ourselves. But that's not way, the way the world works. So, and that's that gets back to that that mental model of the saber toothed tiger getting ready to attack. It's not that way. So, but even though our body and the adrenaline in us and all the things that are happening to us, the cortisol, uh, all these uh, hormones that are kind of pushing pushing us back and forth, we gotta take, in a sense, start to relax with that, take control, slow ourselves down and say, no, I don't need to respond right now. You know, our good friend Ray, right? He's so good of counting to 10. Yeah. He's, he's kind of intimidating, right? I mean, yeah, he it's is. like, <laughs> he's a big you're, fellow. You're talking to him and he's listening and he, and then he'll, before he responds to what you're talking about, he'll be talking to 10 be, be under his breath. And he gives, he, so he gives you lots of space, right? Well, that makes me really uncomfortable, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Until I figured out what he was doing, but it's like, so I have to slow myself down to listen to, to listen to the silence in there, right? There's a lot of beauty to that, that listening to the silence. And I think that rolls back around into, to, uh, Singy's concept of team learning again, of, of being able to be present to one another and not actually maybe not even needing to talk. Right. But just being there spiritually present and being part of that, that, you know, the group. Yeah. I think, um, taking that time before you respond gives you an opportunity to really re like seek to understand, you know what I mean? And I think that even especially when talking to Ray in particular, like when we talk uh, and he takes a while to respond, I know he's really crafting a, a thoughtful answer. He's not just going to fire back with, 
the first thing that comes to his mind, but he really cares what he is about to say to me. And that matters. You know what I mean? That's uh that's huge. So I, I, it's a very ad- admirable trait and I'm, I'm working on it. It's not easy. It's a hard thing to do, especially in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a couple more of Singy's uh, rules of the fifth discipline of systems thinking. The easy way out of a problem leads back in. One of the problems with that is when you first institute a solution, it always looks like at the beginning, it looks like, oh, this is actually going to work. We're going to do, we, we come up with this great idea, really fast solution to the problem. You stick it in. The initial feedback in that loop tends to be, oh, yeah, this is the right thing because it takes a while for the system to kick in where it's going to like kick them back on you, right? And which leads to another one of his laws is that cause and effect is separated in space and time. I just love that. Cause and effect is separated in space and time. And it's, it gets back to, once again, using that whole idea of the, the battle against poverty, the war on poverty. It took 10 years and maybe more for the, that cause and effect thing to start to kick in where all of a sudden we realized, wait a minute, we made a mistake. The problem with the left brain folks out there, who, uh, uh, whoever they are who instituted those policies, uh, they were already heading down the road working on other stuff that was going to mess up too, right? And that's one of the problems with our political system. We tend to make these, these interventions. We try to make things right, and then we, but we aren't systems thinkers, so we're not actually realizing that, okay, I'm going to do something now. The end point might not be for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? And all of a sudden the problems that that intervention caused comes rolling in like full force at that time. And then it's like, wow, we've already built all this momentum heading in the wrong direction. And that's why, so the reason why conservatism is so good because conservatives are constantly worried about what they call unintended consequences. Okay. We're going to try to solve a problem here, but what's the unintended consequence that we're not thinking about? And that's, that's really that kind of that system thinking perspective. And then finally, he says, the harder you push, the harder the system pushes back. The consequences of running afoul of the laws of systems thinking are seen in the policies of and actions of many organizations from businesses to government. These missteps are often referred to as the law of unintended consequences, right out of Peter Singing himself. Solid dude. I like him. Yep. Yep. Like him a lot. He, has, he meant a lot to me. So uh, we're kind of coming to the uh, end of our hour here, which about seven minutes left. This might be a little, little earlier one. Thanks uh, to Lori and uh, for your uh, uh, different comments and your engagement out there and all you other folks that have been tuning in with us next week, we're going to continue on this study of leadership. So if you want to look, look up someone, we're going to be talking about Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, and how he relates to things like the theology of the body. Now, who would have thought that Simon Sinek, who's basically a, a uh, secular leadership consultant that works for the army, that he's actually, and I think unbeknownst to him, is working on the level of the theology of the body. So we're going to talk about him. We'll talk about two of his works. His first one, I believe, was called uh, Begin With Why. And then his second one was called Leaders Eat Last. And so uh, he had some great TED Talks out there. If you check him out, you can check out those TED Talks and kind of get a a little bit uh, under your belt about Simon Sinek. And then we're going to relate that back to... 
uh, the church and belief and the theology of the body and kind of this idea of what we're doing in this environment and what it's doing to us. Next week from tomorrow night, we're going to be down at the St. Martin de Poor's Family Retreat Center in the Hawking Hills. There's going to be a group of us men down there doing some uh, cleaning up the woods for those folks down there and building a trail up out of the back of that uh, retreat center so they can get back into the woods a little more safely. So we're going to get some pickmatics rolling down there. We got some corporate brothers coming down. We're going to spend the weekend in addition to working and praying and celebrating the mass down there. We're going to uh, be talking in the evening about this idea of how do we, how do we navigate through the woke culture the woke corporate environment today. So this is going to mm. be an interesting weekend. And then, yeah, that's going to be a good one. It is. It is. And, uh, and then the weekend after that, we're going to be doing the advent hike down at the um, uh, clear Creek again. So we'll get together and, you know, get not knocked down 10 miles or so together, pray together. And, uh, and then moving on into, uh, uh, next year, uh, we got some interesting things coming up. Of course, we'll be, we're going to be doing some camp outs in the winter time and in the early spring, and then we'll be doing carry the cross on Holy Saturday. And we got a great adventure going on in, uh, uh, the, the starting May 9th, we've, we've got a, um, a man adventure for the men from uh, the St. Excuse me, the uh, the the Newman Center at Ohio State University. We're taking Father Streitenberger and a bunch of men from the Newman Center of Ohio State University. We're heading to Oregon. We're heading. We're heading in. We're going to fly into Medford, Oregon, and we're going to do uh, tr uh, work on the Rogue River Wilderness Trail. And cool thing about this one, Peter, I don't think you've heard about all this yet, but the, the Bureau of Land Management's going to sponsor us out there. And they're the going to BLM. Be, yeah, the BLM. And it's, it's, it's the right, the good BLM, not the bad BLM, right? <laughs> but anyway, they're going to have a couple men with us and they're going to float or camp downstream. So we're going to like hike downstream and work. And every day they're going to load up our tents oh dude that's sweet we're moving yeah we're moving on rafts down the so that's going to be really cool man we've never done yeah quite like that and that's a that's a quite a rafting river i guess right i mean that's like really is you know what they have these different class two three four and five rapids and depending on where you go on that river the neat thing about that river it it uh it um drains the uh crater lake basin oh, okay that's pretty cool to think about the water yeah. that's flowing out of Crater Lake is coming down into the Rogue River and then, you know, eventually out into the Pacific. So pretty neat stuff there. And we'll be going to, to uh, uh, Wyoming again next uh, in July and then heading back into the Sierra Nevada up and get jump into the John Muir Wilderness again and do some work up in there. So, uh, uh, yep, that's what's coming up. And so stay tuned. I'd like you to like or tell people about our podcast, send them our way, uh, make some comments, send us some emails about what you'd, if you'd like so, to hear some different things or something you're thinking about, you think that would fit into our conversation and what we're talking about, send us an email, drop us a note, hit the like button. So, uh, absolutely. Anyway, I'm thinking we'll, we'll end with a prayer from the liturgy of the hours tonight. Good deal. Let's see here. I'll just pick one out. Little prayer uh, roulette. name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of love and mercy, help us to follow the example of Mary, always ready to do your will at the message of an angel. She welcomed your eternal Son and filled with 
the light of your spirit. She became the temple of your word. Who live and reign with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.